I actually had an interesting conversation with my siblings and each of us believes ourselves to be resilient and we think that this resilience was something that was taught to us from a very young age. Um, there is actually a gene that if you have it, you're more likely to be resilient. But the beauty of it is that you can practice it and you can build you can build resilience, which is the the relief. I think I talk about that in my my TED talk too. That you can you can really build it. That uh, that it doesn't have to be automatic. It's just not something. Well, I don't have it. You you just have to. It's really about this this notion of being able to fail and say. Wow, that was a good experience. I learned this and it didn't work out, and now I'm moving forward. That's Elizabeth McCourt, and I'm Brian Falchuk. The Do A Day Podcast. Will you hear from the most inspiring people who have been through hard times, overcome them, and have turned around to help others with what they've learned? I'm your host, Brian Falchuk. I know because I've lived it myself. I've written about it in my book, Do A Day, and that's why I'm bringing you this show. Remember, today's a new day. Go out and do it. Hey, day doers. Welcome to another episode of the Do A Day podcast. Today, my guest is Elizabeth McCourt. Elizabeth is a certified leadership coach. She's a speaker. She's a writer. She's got a background in executive recruiting and financial services. And she's worked with high-level individuals and teams as a strategic partner to help them set both personal and professional goals. She helps people embrace their whole self and get real with who they really are so that they can turn that into better leadership and business success. She has a passion for language and travel, which she puts together with her leadership development work to serve institutions like INSEAD, the World Economic Forum, and the UN. Elizabeth speaks professionally about resilience and mindset, including doing a TEDx talk entitled Why You Should Spill Your Secrets, which is actually how I found her in the first place. She's on a mission to help people embrace their own resilience with the mindset that wins don't always have to be spectacular. They can be small and they can be impactful. Her style's both practical-minded and creative, allowing her clients to really push their limits to find their most courageous style of both resilience and leadership. That word resilience is going to come up a lot in our interview, and I think you'll walk away feeling it, feeling a sense of being more buoyant, being able to handle things, and why that's so valuable. Elizabeth's also a lawyer. She's a master of fine arts. She's an avid triathlete. She's a yogi. I mentioned that she's a writer before, but what I didn't mention is she's even published a book. So she published her first novel in March of 2018. It's called Sin in the Big Easy. And I'm excited to have her here today. So we talk about a number of different things, but she's just a great person. And she shares her ideas, her story, her vision, in a really genuine way. So I think it will resonate for you. And with that, let's jump into the episode and share Elizabeth McCourt with you all. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the show. I have Elizabeth McCourt here. Elizabeth, thank you so much for joining me today. Hey, Brian. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. No, so we were, we were talking a little bit before recording, and I do feel like it's almost two separate interviews because I want to talk to you about this book that you wrote, um, Sin in, in the Big Easy. And I also want to talk to you about this other side of you, which is, uh, you know, your leadership work and the journey you've been on, your TEDx talk, all of it and how that comes together. And that's, you know, that might seem like the more obvious tie to the, the do a day theme, but having written and published a book too, like that is quite a struggle. And, and to get that through to, uh, you know, Very to a true. successful launch, like there's a story in that too. So 
I'd love to start with, um, with the leadership side. Cause you know, that's so much of your life is in that. Um, so just give us a bit of background, like what, what brought you to that? What is the struggle that you went through that led you to this place where you're inspiring and developing leaders and, you know, giving Ted talks and just out there in the world, <laughs> bringing people to, uh, you know, to, to be better at who they are. Well, you know, uh, thank you for that. I get, it's so funny to have both of these things. Um, and I do feel like everything I do is tied together with this notion of, of resilience and really being able to, to put myself out there and fail. And, um, and the Ted talk was about me really being a very shy individual who'd been bullied in school and how I sort of overcame that element of, of just really not being, um, you know, just not really having the confidence to really, um, you know, to really be myself and to really engage and, and to stop that bullying. And so part of what I do is I really believe in helping other people stand in their confidence so that they can achieve whatever it is that they want to achieve. Because I think that we're all, we're all really scared at some point. And I, I find that if you're, if you're a little bit scared, then you're probably on the right path. And, um, and so that was really, that's sort of like the baseline of my journey is really, I've always been kind of pushing myself out of my comfort zone, starting with that scenario of really being a very, you know, shy, shy young person. And how could I really, everything I did for myself was really uncomfortable and standing in that discomfort. So I'm very good at, I say, standing with people when they're trying to do something that's stretching and, and helping support them going forward. And so that's sort of the, the baseline, the base of the story is, is in that. And did you, did you go through that yourself and figure things out for yourself or was it you know, you, you went through that as your background and then you learn things, you know, professionally or, or whatever. And then you look back and said, Oh, Hey, that would have been valuable for me. Like, did you come out of it yourself or is this more reflective? Um, I think a little bit of both because I think when I stepped out of my comfort zone of, of doing, you know, of gaining more confidence and trying new things and being resilient, I found actually that I, I was pretty good at failing and bouncing back, like applying to something, not getting it, bouncing back, um, trying to do something and having it not work out and really not letting that thwart me. So resilience, I have a collection of stories I've written, um, probably for uh, infusing into another book that I'm working on, okay. um, a more nonfiction about the nonlinear path to success and how you do have to embrace failure in your life because I mean, it's not perfect. Like, and the best sort of the best successes, and I know yourself included is that you've like, you know, things have been tough and they haven't worked out and you've been able to rise above and, and be a resilient force. And, and in that vein, you, you do inspire people to try things and with, sort of without knowing um, you inspire mm. people, which is really cool. I think it's almost the best times when it's sort of like, you know, next thing, you know, people are like, I, I watched you and I learned from that. You're like, Oh my goodness. I didn't even, yeah. I didn't even see that coming. 
Yeah, it's so rewarding. And I said when I was doing that TED Talk, I saw, thought, you know, it was a big deal and I was nervous and what if people didn't connect with it? And I just said, stop it, Elizabeth. If you can just, if one young person watching it comes away and says, oh my God, I, I don't have to feel bad, like me too, then that that would be success. So I really... I just sort of go into things with that mindset. Like not everyone is going to like you and that's hard, but if you can impact one person in a really positive way and make a difference in their life, then that's success. Wow. I'm so curious if you felt that way during the talk. Did you feel that, that anxiety or that like, what if no one likes it or what if, you know, feeling nervous and, and all that, was that live then? Um, I, I definitely, you know, I was definitely nervous. I'm not going to lie, but I also was confident in my preparation. Okay. And I always take a moment. I, I still use the Amy Cuddy power pose. I take a yes. moment to myself and I, I just get centered and, you know, kind of put infuse that I'm a very positive person. So I just infuse that positivity. And for me, I, I love, I, I do professional speaking. So I love that stepping on stage. It's almost, I'm not going to say it's, it's a talk. Uh, obviously it's a Ted talk. It's not a speech, but in a way it's something happens and there's a performance, an authentic performance that happens for me when I step on stage. And so I, I felt that resonance with the audience and that connection. And that really was, I think, enhanced the talk for me. Okay. I'm, I'm curious, obviously, uh, with my own coming up, cause I'm watching yours and, um, it's actually your talk is one of the things that inspired me to just go for it and, and pitch doing them. And I was like, this woman is, there's just, I wouldn't call it a calmness, but there's like a, a purpose to what you're saying. Your presentation was really clear but you connect so like right off the bat because you open with your story. Right. And it's just right. immediately, um, you know, you just, you build a connection with the audience. So that's why I was so curious if you were feeling those things in the moment, because from the audience standpoint, and obviously I'm an audience through YouTube, not in person, but, um, you know, none of that, I couldn't read any of that. I just was like, this is someone who resonates, who gets how to connect with people. Oh, thank you. I think that is, you know, that is, why I do what I do. And my mission in life is to help people form deeper connections. And I love that because of my TED talk that you and I connected and we had a really nice rapport. And then I'm really excited for you as, as you go do your TED talk. And, I'm, and of course, you know, I'm happy to support you and cheer you on because yeah, I, I know it's going to be that. fantastic. Thank you. So with you, you know, having this, this feeling of resilience, um, is that something you just, you noticed you just had, or was it something you had to build or cultivate? I think a little bit of both. I actually had an interesting conversation with my siblings and all of my siblings, I have uh, a brother and two sisters. Each of us believes ourselves to be resilient. And we think, um, and both our parents are, are deceased, which is part of the resilience, but we, we think that this resilience was something that was taught to us from a very young age. Um, there is actually a gene I've read about that because I've done some research in resilience. There is a gene that if you have it, you're more likely to be resilient. But the beauty of it 
is that you can practice it and you can build mm -hmm. you can build resilience, which is the the relief. I think I talk about that in my my TED talk too. Is that you can you can really build it. Yeah. That uh, that it doesn't have to be automatic. It's just not something. Well, I don't have it. You you just have to. It's really mm -hmm. about this this notion of being able to fail and say, wow, that was a good experience. I learned this and it didn't work out. And now I'm moving forward. And, um, yeah, I think that's important. I think that's so crucial. And, um, you know, that, that's, that's such a key part of my message is it's ultimately a choice. Yes. You're, everything that you've said around failure is, is positive. And the other people that I, I talk to, you know, that have similar and, and amazing stories, you hear them talking about these terrible experiences that other people would just crumble from. And they talk about it as a gift. It's like, mm -hmm. you know, it doesn't mean it was easy. It doesn't mean that, you know, you, you wouldn't wish that, you know, this person hadn't died or you hadn't, you know, been shot at or, you know, whatever the experience is. But you look at it as a choice of how you end up responding and walk away. And we can either dwell in it and beat ourselves up over it or wallow in it, mm -hmm. or we can try to take the lessons and build from it. And that seems to be exactly what you did. So yeah. I'd love to hear, you know, what beyond the bullying, what is it in your story? And you mentioned your parents. What is it in your story that, that was that toughness that you grew out of and led you down this path that you're in today? Um, it's so, I always, I really connect with what you're saying because I do believe that also that it's a choice and, and when something that's not so great happens, I give myself an opportunity to feel bad and wallow a little bit, but then ultimately make that choice. Um, I think the other sort of traumatic thing, I think it, I always feel a little bit guilty because I feel like nothing bad happened to me physically. I feel very grateful and fortunate. And, but I did have a period of time that was very affecting for me is when my, I had three years, my, the reason why I moved back to New York and stopped being a trial lawyer was because my father was ill and then he died. And then the next year, my best friend died suddenly. And then the next year, um, a couple weeks after the twin towers fell down, my mom got sick and died like two weeks later. So it was a really three years in a row of just this really tough time where I became the matriarch of my family. And, um, I think if I, if I allowed myself to really go deep, dark and wallow, um, I would be really letting down a lot of people. So that was really important for me to really, you know, sort of get tough. I always say toughen up buttercup <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, and sort of not ignore it, but feel the feelings, which is what I tell my clients to do. You have to, you can't just put it aside. You actually, you have to feel it, but you don't have to stay in that darkness. Wow. So you, I mean, you've, you've hit on some actions here is the first is that give it space. And give it, you know, give it its space, let the feeling be, and which is, is a form of validation. So one of the hardest things, especially if you watch little kids get worked up, one of the hardest things for them is when people don't just acknowledge like you're upset. And mm -hmm. that's one of the easiest ways to bring, you know, like a, a terrible twos kind of temper tantrum down. <laughs> it's just like valid, like you're mad. You don't like this. There's a, um, a, a pediatrician who teaches like he calls it caveman talk like their brains can't even process it and it's like me angry 
Yeah. So you just sort of, you validate the feelings. Like you don't need to, choosing to, to move past it or choosing to grow doesn't mean invalidating. It doesn't mean you're wrong for feeling That's the right. way you felt. That's you right. may have, you may be able to grow, you may be able to change, but you felt the way you felt and that just is. You, know, you had a That's loss. Right. You can feel that and that's okay. And you, there's so much in what you're talking about that is not guilt, but it's acknowledgement and, and allowance. Like I always say, like, allow yourself to be good enough, right? Allow your feeling to exist. And then how have you moved past? Like, what are the things that you've done? I mean, you know, three losses and I didn't even realize the timing. Also the twin towers in the midst of it, which was also <clears throat> immensely emotional for so many people. Um, so, and, and were you, you were still in New York at the time? Yeah, I was living in New York. So even and, more um, so. Yeah. yeah, I think that um, I'm, I'm very fortunate in my life. I said that I may not have, I may have a lot of people that died and I may have, you know, sort of limits on, you know, limits on that. But I have a really very fortunate to have a really good network of, of friendships that are, they're like my family. So I, those people, I think they don't even know. No, I think they do know now I tell, I tell them, but <laughs> I, I think during the time, I, I think they didn't, they might not even realize what a lifeline hmm. uh, they were to me. I had, uh, one of my very, very dearest friends said to me, I, she said, I know you're going to get through this because you are so strong. And I thought, I don't know. It wasn't flippant. She's not someone that's, she's someone that thinks very strongly about her words, but I was really able to believe what she said mm. and lean into that when I felt myself floundering. Um, and my, my husband too is a very strong person and really, allowed me to, you know, allowed me to have that space, but also reminded me of who I, who I needed to be and what I needed to do. So I just feel like those relationships that you form with people, those deep connections, which what my Ted talk talks about is letting people in on what's going on with you so that you can have a more, a better conversation than just a surface insignificant conversation is, is essentially important. And, and for me, that has really been the key to have that, have that support. That's, that's so incredibly important. And there's tons of research around it that your social network, and I don't mean Facebook and Twitter, I mean, your actual real live social network with actual people, um, that that is incredibly impactful in resiliency and recovery and, and health, actually. People tend yes. to be healthier with a, a larger and stronger social network. Absolutely. So we keep. And, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh no, I was going to say, and I, the gift I have to say through with the work that I do with people is that if I can stand with people in their dark space and be patient until they want to step out of that, and I think that is is truly. Uh, a gift to be able to do that, just to, to be with the positivity and action base, but to also, like you said, we just sort of take that pause and acknowledgement is essentially important. Yeah. So I, I feel like we need to mention the name of your Ted talk for people who are interested because we keep oh, talking sure. about it, but <laughs> it's called why you should spill your biggest secrets. That's and, right. Um, I, I keep, anytime I want to watch it, I just 
Google Elizabeth McCourt TEDx and it pops right up. But um, there's a, a phrase that's used in the description in there is the freedom of vulnerability. And it's, it's exactly what you're talking about is allowing, you know, making those connections with people, keeping them strong and allowing yourself to be vulnerable is actually incredibly freeing and empowering and the basis for that network to come back and lift you up. Absolutely. In those moments where maybe you're still in the wallowing phase and not ready to do it yourself. Absolutely. I, I think that it, it really colors everything that we do, doesn't it? That if you can be vulnerable, like writing is vulnerable, uh, talking to people on stage in a podcast, everything you do. Um, my mother always used to say, and I use this in the TED Talk, she says, you know, the, sto the stories that people want to hear are the ones you don't want to tell. Yes. And if you can take that, I'm not saying unload all your stuff. Obviously, you, you do have to process it. But if you can just allow people to see who you are, flaws and all, I think that we'd all be better at connecting if we could allow ourselves to do that. Yeah. It's, it's interesting when you see someone up on stage, you know, you're seeing the best of them, hopefully, if it go, if all goes well. Hopefully. <laughs> um, and we forget that actually everyone is flawed. Everyone struggles. And, you know, we can compare our struggles to other people's. Like you said, you feel guilty sometimes that you didn't go through, you know, a, a worse struggle, but I always tell people the first podcast I was ever on was with a Navy SEAL who was blown out of his vehicle, left for dead in the side of, well, not even oh a road, God. but in the desert in you know the Middle East. And, and I'm sitting here with my story and I'm like, well, okay, he started his podcast that way. And, you know, how's my story going to compare? But the reality is it's not a comparison. That's it's, right. It's my story exists in my life and has an impact on me your stories in your life. And someone always has it worse. You know, one thing I've learned is that grass is not green anywhere um, <laughs> un unless we garden, right? Like you have to do the yeah. work to turn it around, but other people's stories are not there for us to judge ourselves. They're there for us to pick nuggets out of that we might use in our own lives. That's exactly right. And I, I was just writing something on how we compare ourselves and we have this, you know, need to be perfect and that you know, the FOMO that everyone's talking about, the fear of missing out. And really, uh, we have to be reflective in our own experiences, because like you said, it's, they're unique to us. Like just because, you know, people died in my life does not make that any, you know, more important than people who have passed in your life. It's, yeah, it's the same, but it's yeah. different. It's the same, but different. Yeah. And your life's not my life. So it doesn't matter. Right. Exactly. But we can learn from each other. Yeah. Yeah. So it just sounded like I was on the Brady Bunch time to change. <laughs> <laughs> so you went through this period of loss and tell me, tell me what happened as you came out of that. Like what between then and now, what, what all went down to lead you to this leadership work that you do? You know, it's, Interesting. So I worked I, at the time I was, I was working for a company. Um, I was headhunter. I was top producer and it was very much about that job is, is a hundred percent about money. Um, but I always had also a different approach of really listening to people and talking to people and not trying to fit square peg round hole, really do the right thing by people, even though it's a commission based business. And my, commission was based on whether they moved or not. 
I really believed in doing the right thing by people so that they could get what they wanted, achieve their goals. And in turn, I would benefit. And this strategy of mine worked really well. Uh, and I had every year I would say, do I, do I want to keep on doing this or do I want to be on my own? And I think it was around the time of the Ted talk. Actually, I had the year before I had just started doing some serious contemplation of what the next thing I needed to do in my life was because wanting to make a more powerful impact on a regular basis and help people was becoming, I guess it was, I have to say it's when the thought of staying was more upsetting than the thought of taking that risk and trying to really do my life's purpose and my life's work. It's so and, hard when you, <laughs> when you see what you're supposed to be doing, isn't right. it, it's so hard to stay aligned with something that even if it's great, just isn't, you know, isn't in sync with that purpose. It becomes incredibly difficult. It really does. And, um, and so I, um, it was really a very, and not to mention that it was extremely, I was working in an extremely stressful and I would say a toxic environment. So that, that certainly helped as a catalyst. And, and then I, I just started doing the work. I started making a strategic plan and I was coaching already. I got the Ted talk and, and then I just decided I, I had made a, I'd made a plan with the support of my friends to keep me on my toes. And, and then I, I just launched my own business and I still do a little, I have a partnership. I still do a little bit of recruiting, but now I'm always in tears of joy. I was in, <laughs> I was in France recently for some work with INSEAD, the yeah. um, international university there. And afterwards I just, I took myself out for a champagne after I did the work and I was like, I am so crazy happy that I get to do work I love and make a positive impact and, and do everything that I want to do in the world, which is coach, speak, write, and, you know, some recruiting too. But I'm, I'm so lucky that I was able to take the risk. It's like you've created a, I mean, I'm, I'm sure there's tough moments, but it's like you've created a, a dream situation. And a lot of like you're pursuing your passion. I mean, the glass of champagne in France to celebrate yourself. Like that's a, <laughs> that kind of sums it up in a lot of ways, doesn't it? it? It really does. I am, I am, I would say any of the, you know, the setbacks or the dips, I feel like it's, it's part, as you know, it's part of being an entrepreneur Yeah. and, and I'm not going to say it's always easy and, glass of champagne. Sometimes it's like, sometimes it's really hard, but it's always worth it. Yeah. And I think that is, that is what continues to, to drive me forward and to see the reactions of the people I talk to or the people I work with and the, the being able to make a positive impact and, and write my book. And I'm just, I just feel so fortunate that I always say everything that you've done in your life leads you to where you are. Yeah. Yeah. So write your book is a great segue to talking about writing your book. <laughs> <laughs> so t tell me about, you know, what, tell me about the book itself and the journey of, you know, why did that come to be and, and how have you worked through getting that out on top of, you know, leaving your job and, and building this amazing <laughs> leadership practice. Thank you. I, um, 
It's funny. I Someone said to me, you wrote a novel? It's called Sin in the Big Easy. It's a legal thriller set in New Orleans about a young 27-year-old lawyer. Gets the, she gets the case of her life and she's... Everything gets screwed up, and she is a very flawed character, and she really has to believe in the truth and try and find the truth in every aspect of her life. So not only is it a thriller and some you know girls keep dying and she's the only one that can figure out what happened, she has to find the truth about her life or she cannot figure out what happened. So there's a little bit of of both elements in there. Cause I said, it's not just your regular who done it. She's going to figure it out right away. It's very much, you know, both the story of the situation that happened and of the girl herself. And I will tell you that, um, I, I like someone said, how are you going to put a leadership spin on this? And I said, well, how's how to write a novel in 15 years or less. Don't do what I did. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's your next Ted talk, right? I think that is, yeah. <laughs> it is a talk that I'm going to do because I think so many of us say, we're going to write a book. I want to write a book. Oh, that's a dream of mine. And it is so easy to sabotage yourself. As I know, having put out a book and a second book yourself, that you know how hard it is to, to get through it and edit it and edit it and edit it and edit it and still find more edits, which can yeah. drive you bananas. You you haven't done an audiobook version, have you? No, not yet. So I wish that I I, I narrated the audiobook myself. I wish I had done that before publishing, because when you're speaking your words out loud, you're like, oh no, did I say it that way? I like know. that doesn't read right at all. It is it, it, the editing is uh, it's amazing and and very difficult, and you can get you know a million people to read it and edit it also, but ultimately the editing is never done. The writing may end. Oh. Editing it's so goes true. On perpetuity. It's so true. I did the final galley two weeks ago, and wouldn't you know, they found one thing, which I am so glad they found. You know, they found mm. a discrepancy. I'd rather that than someone like, you know, really nail me to the wall for a discrepancy like that. So, yeah. but I felt like it's been edited a million times. How is this possible? Yeah. No, I I definitely hear you. Um, and and I should say we're recording this before it's released, so we can. Uh, we maybe do a follow-up show and just see how things went. Um, but I mean, what, so wh how did you, how did you actually get to the place where it's being published? And cause that in and of itself is one of the toughest struggles in this world. It seems actually getting, oh. you know, publishers to hear you out and give you a chance. So how did you do uh, all that? Absolutely. So this is a really crazy story. I, you know, I, I started writing it a long time ago. I completed the original book, which is under a different title as part of my master's in fine arts in creative writing, because I, I got a master's in fine arts for fun a few years back. Okay. And, and then I sent it out to agents and I got, you know, some response, not a, you know, a lot of non-responsive people are not that interested in fiction. And then believe it or not, I'm, I'm writing a nonfiction book. I had sort of put this one aside and I just said, you know what, maybe I'm just gonna, I'm going to focus on the nonfiction. So I was, I started pitching my nonfiction book and then I got a wild hair. I said, you know what, I'm publishing this book no matter what, even if I have to do it myself. And so I fixed it up. I hired, I hired an editor to, to give it one last look. And 
I met someone on Twitter. I met an editor on Twitter, believe it or not. And she and I had a call about my nonfiction book. And we just had a nice rapport and nothing was going to happen. I had already been sending this proposal out, so she couldn't really help me with that. But we spoke again a month or two later, and I casually mentioned that I had a novel. And she said to me, oh, you have a novel? Can I read it? It's, it's finished? And I said, yeah, it's finished. And she goes, can I read it? And I said, sure. So, Because at this point, the book had had so much rejection, I really didn't care anymore, yeah. which is part of the key, being resilient. And she read it. Well, I would say I sent it to her, and maybe – a day later, she emailed me back and she said, uh, this is actually good. Can I pitch it? <laughs> and I said, sure, go ahead, pitch it. And she pitched it to this small press that she had a relationship with. And she said, emailed me back. Not, it was really soon after. It was just a couple of days. And she said, they want to publish it. <laughs> and I said, wow. And, and so we, that's how it happened. It was from a woman I met on Twitter. We established a relationship. I casually mentioned I had a novel. She read it. She liked it. She pitched it. They liked it. And now it's being published. That's fantastic. Quite, yeah. quite serendipitously, yeah. I will say. It does seem like um, all, all of the best stories of success, not just in publishing, but more broadly, it's about it's about people um, getting over the fear of reaching out, networking, talking, building relationship. And then the thing that they wished so badly would happen that we were getting nowhere with ends up happening through that. Like, you know, just get over yourself and build a relationship. Exactly. And I, I think the key for me it, with my writing too is I care. It took me so long because I cared too much and I was yes. re, I was afraid that people were going to think I was dumb mm -hmm. and that it was, and I still am. I, I do say I have a little team working with me on this book and it's just so great to have that kind of support. And I say, this is the most thrilling and terrifying thing I've ever done because I know some people aren't going to like it. As much as I know, some people are really going to like it. Yeah. And I'm finally okay with that. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. When there's over 7 billion people out there, even if just a small percentage like it, that's a huge success. Exactly. So it's not yeah. so bad. Yeah, I, sort of get over yourself. Not everyone's going to yeah, like you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, which is fine. Um, it was interesting. I was talking to someone uh, the other day about two things. One is... Um, I'm a vegan and he's trying to eat better. And so he's like, mm -hmm. you know, how do you deal with never, you know, not eating this or not eating that? Or, um, you know, I don't drink. So he's like, how do you deal with like, you know, everyone's like, Hey, have a beer. And I said, I actually just don't care. Mm -hmm, <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I just, you know, I'm not bothered by it. And it's when I care that I start obsessing about it or feel uncomfortable. And it's like, that's just what I do. So let's right, just move on right. like talk about something else. Right. And, You're not but, judging them, so right. just, you, you just don't do that. Right, like, it, and it becomes irrelevant. But then also, you know, for, for people who are afraid to take that chance, um, you know, it's kind of like if you if you asked her to read your book or, you, you, you know, you wanted to get published, if you're not published now, do you have anything to lose by asking? You know, like, do you, if you put it out there, what's the worst thing that happens? No, nothing that isn't already happening now. 
The best thing that happens is you get published, but you literally have nothing to lose. And so often we get stuck in this, like, well, what if they say no? And what if they don't like me? It's like, okay, well, is any of the stuff you want them to do for you happening now? No. So there's zero risk. So this is just about you getting over caring so much, really. Right. Exactly. You just have to ask. And if there's anything I learned from my 17 years in recruiting is that you don't die from someone saying no to you. I'm saying, I would say 99.9% of the time. Yeah. Um, you don't, nothing really bad happens from rejection. It doesn't feel great, but somehow you're still here. Yeah. You're still here. You got another shot. We do feel this sort of like terminal situation so often. Yeah. And the reality is, you know, when it seems, it, I mean, same thing, uh, you know, if you go through a breakup or something like that, it's like, oh my God, my world's over. And, you know, what you need is you need a fast forward button. You just need to get through this period and you'll see like, oh yeah, actually I did survive. You know, exactly. even though I was saying I felt like I was dying. <laughs> It's true. It's it's always easier in hindsight. And there is a really wonderful series. I haven't paid a lot of attention to it, but I know it's write a letter to your, you know, to your younger self. And what would you say to your younger self? And much of it is that don't worry, those hard times you were feeling, it's going to work out fine. It's going to be okay. And it's things, I mean, if I had to say to myself and you too, it's, it's going to work out beyond your wildest dreams and expectations. Just hang in there and keep trying. Yeah. What's well, so interesting, you know, if we look back at, at your time as a child or, you know, so many people's, we, little kids have one basic need and that's to be cared for and protected and loved and to feel safe ultimately. Cause especially really little kids, they can't do that for themselves, right? Right. They can't take care of themselves. They don't, you know, they can't prepare food. They can't bathe themselves, you know, even like the most basic, basic things. And that's ultimately like we go through these experiences as little kids, whether it's bullying, whether it's divorce, whether it's abuse, you know, different, different things and different degrees of severity, but they shape up, shape us because at that point in our lives, our core singular need of feeling safe and secure and cared for is in jeopardy. And so to to have that compassionate, like things are okay, things will be okay. You know, you will get through this. You will come out so much better than you could ever imagine. That's sort of like trying to give them that sense of security. It's like, this is bad, but actually you are still okay. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's, that reminds me of, I was giving an award. Um, I was giving an award and giving a speech at my, at my high school, um, a year ago. And it was for a very shy girl. And part of the speech I said, you know, having been shy, I said, you know, do not worry, whatever your experience was, it will give you an empathy that will be so useful in your life in whatever it is you do, whatever, whatever your experience was, you can take that and and use that as empathy and understanding for how you lead others or lead yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And empathy is such a powerful tool to have in your arsenal. It really is. You can connect with and understand people in a way that those who lack empathy just never will. And it's the connections that ultimately bring the value in our lives. Oh, there's, there's no doubt. I think that 
you know, when you're, when you're really successful in the work that you do, and I, I know, I know just from knowing you that you believe this too, having that, that empathy is, is really what sort of is a great tool and, and has, I guess, almost a, I don't want to say a secret weapon. It's not a, but you know what I'm saying to yeah. success. I say, I, I did a talk at the army and I called it, it was empathy and recruiting. And you wouldn't think that, you know, because in the army recruiters, it's, it's like really tough, really recruiting is always tough, but that's a particularly tough yes. job, I think. Yep. But if you can have empathy, a true empathy and not just conjured up empathy, then I know for me, that's what made me very successful as a recruiter. And in the work I do is having that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, um, I'm just putting myself in the shoes of an army recruiter and I, <laughs> trying to be empathetic and like, wow, you know, and you yeah. think about what you're asking someone potentially. Yes. Um, right. Yeah. It's, it's not, I used to be a management consultant. And I always said like, it was kind of tricking people because you know, the amount of travel that you do, the only thing like a college kid would know of travel is vacation. So mm -hmm. like, Ooh, travel, that sounds great. Well, we're not just talking about travel in the army. We're talking about putting your life on the line. That's right. Um, so yeah. And, and, and there's no secret there. You know, that's well known. So we need to address that. We need to think about what is that person feeling? How's that going to resonate? And are they signing up for the right reason? Are they trying to escape? The, you know, it's, there, there's so yeah. much more to it. Yeah, it was really interesting. It was a very, I have to say that the captain in charge there was, was very progressive. I was really impressed with, with what he was doing with his, with his people. Wow. So is that like, what is the heart of your leadership work today? Is it around empathy mostly? Is it around vulnerability? Is it sort of all of that? What's, what's your core focus? I, my core focus is really helping people. I was just talking about this the other day is, is getting people to show up as just being real, being their true, authentic selves and and not being one person here and another person there or how you're quote unquote supposed to be but just leading and trying to make an impact in the world in a way that is just authentic and you know just tr being true to yourself just really being mindful in in who you are and and letting that be the base of how you go forward in your, your work and your, your leadership there. And are there, are there ever times where you wonder whether someone has it in them or is it something you think universally we can all get to? I think you have to want it. Um, I'm, I'm really, I feel very grateful. A lot of the people that I work with have, obviously it seems like the people that are attracted to you, like you put out there in the world, what you want to attract and it comes mm -hmm. back to you. I know that sounds a little woo woo, but I find that, you know, when I talk to people that sort of that truth, integrity and authenticity and resilience is something that often comes up in the initial conversations, but you have to want to do the work. And if someone doesn't want to do the work, I mean, you know, this, we can't, I'm, I'm a coach and a facilitator and I will, I will help someone and cheer them on, but I can't do the work. Mm -hmm. If you don't want to do the work, I mean, there is no magic wand that's going to make something happen. Right. Yeah. 
I think that's, that's really the thing is someone has to, and if someone wanted, that's okay. If someone doesn't want to do the work, that's okay. We just, we just probably won't work together because that, I, I don't, you know, I don't like BS. I don't like wasting my time. I don't want to waste somebody else's time. Yeah. So it's just, if you don't want to do it, no problemo. It's okay. It's funny. In, in authenticity coaching, you need the, the person to have authenticity in being there. Mm-hmm. It's, it's sort of like right from the start, if authenticity is missing, it's kind of pointless, at least today. And that's not about judgment. That's just, look, this isn't the right thing for you right now. Right. As with anything. And I've, that's right. I had someone the other day said that they've made quite a transformation. They can't see it yet, but they're like, I really want to stop doing this. And we talked about the first step is exactly that. Like you're aware that you're doing this. So that. Like there's the first step is that awareness. And then how do you want to change your reaction? And then actually changing uh, your reaction or mindset. But, you know, just if you, if you fail at the, you know, it's like a couple step process, but if you fit, you know, just acknowledging, even if you screw it up to sort of go back to the beginning and go, okay, how might I have done this differently? Yeah. So it's, it's, it's all about the work. Yeah. So speaking of work, what is, what are you working on next? What's the next thing we're going to see from you? Well, the, the book is, is something that I'm working on, I guess, to, th- you know, the, the, not the, the, the novel is, co- is coming out. So okay. that is actually taking some time this year. And, um, I think this year is going to be a, just a great year for doing, um, some more speaking and some more workshops, a really, that's really a sweet spot of mine. And, um, and then the, one of the really exciting things is I said, I was doing that work with, um, with INSEAD in Europe and I'm yeah. doing some, I'm doing more international work as the U S based point person. And that is really, um, I, I just really love that cross-cultural connection because it's truly about having empathy and connecting with people and really listening to them because there's, you know, there's leadership development, and then there's also a culture factor that goes into to working with people like that, which I find fascinating. And do you find that the the core message and the need for authenticity, vulnerability, empathy that these things translate universally? I do, I really do. And but I also think um, you have to meet someone where they are and use their language. Hmm. Like, like some people, you know, I say meditation, some people go, I can't do that. And so I might do it in a way that says, let's just do some breathing. And I don't call it meditation and I don't call it mindfulness, but you and I know that's exactly what it is. Yeah. And so it's just really, I, I work with a lot of business people and executives and I just think that meeting them where they are in language that they can access in a comfortable way, I think that is really important too. So I, that's, you know, that's, that's really a lot of what I do is really listen and connect with people and, and meet them where they are. That's beautiful. Well, I was excited to connect with you and I'm so thankful to have you on today. Where can people learn more about you, follow you, see what you're working on? You can go to my website, which is McCourtLeadership.com. My email is easy. It's Elizabeth at McCourt Leadership if you want to reach out. I think I even have I have um, a resilience quiz that's really fun on my website. And uh, you can sign up for that in my newsletter and take the quiz and 
that's kind of fun. Oh, cool. And then how you and I met, of course, is, yeah. is Twitter. So you can, I'm at EC McCourt and that's my Twitter handle. And I, I tweet with Brian and on leadership <laughs> and, and fun things like that. I'm pretty consistent, but, um, yeah, so that's, that's really where you can find most of my, my stuff. And, and of course my book is available on Amazon. If you want to read a fun, uh, a thriller that's, uh, it still has, uh, it does have some leadership work in there because my character isn't perfect, but I, I love flawed characters. And so that's, that's what I love about my character is that her, her flaws, but she's good, but she has flaws. So. That always makes for a better read. <laughs> yeah. That's great. Perfect's and, boring, right? <laughs> yeah. And, and so people can search for Elizabeth McCourt or Sin in the Big Easy exactly. on Amazon. Exactly. Excellent. Yeah. I'm very excited for that to come out. Oh, thanks, Brian. Yeah, I'm, I'm so happy we connected our serendipitous Twitter connection and, you know, a nice, uh, we're sort of like cheering each other on and helping each other. I love it. So thank you. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for being on. And with that, today is a new day. Just go out and do it. Thank you so much, Elizabeth. Thanks, Brian. I told you, Elizabeth is just, she's very real, very genuine. And she's just a caring person. Like he comes across and talking to her. So I hope you felt that. And of course, this whole resilience notion, there's so much more to it. So definitely check out her TEDx talk. I will link to it in the show notes. But of course, you can just Google Elizabeth McCourt TEDx and you will find it. Or you can go to McCourtLeadership.com. Follow Elizabeth E.C. McCourt on Twitter. Um, you know, she gave all of her links, all of her social. You really should follow her up. And check out Sin in the Big Easy. You can get it, you know, anywhere you buy books. It's uh, it's a great story. It's really, really compelling. And um, oh, it's just, it's great to watch her create because there's something so genuine about her. Uh, I, I love it. So in addition to following Elizabeth, you know, I had to throw this in there. You got to follow me. If you don't follow me on Twitter, you're missing out because I try to put out a lot of content on a regular basis, like multiple times a day to help you inspire yourself to do better, to change, to tap into your real purpose, to go after that vision. Like, where do you want your life to be? Follow at Brian Falchuk and you can get some inspiration to figure that all out. Or you can check me out at brianfalchuk.com, doadaybook.com if you want to learn more about Do A Day, pick up the book. And of course, if you enjoyed this episode, please leave a review. And subscribe if you don't already. It's just one more way that you can help give back so I can keep giving you all this content that I hope you're all enjoying. So with that, have a great day. Go out and do it. Remember, there's so much life in front of you. Have the hope, take the actions, and it will be yours. Thanks, everyone.